We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Well, it's Tuesday, and with that, a bunch of crunching and clanging going on across the desk. It sounds like he's got a construction crew building about a 12-foot high-rise. Good morning, Dr. History. Good morning. This is a big book. I'm having a hard time handling it. <laughs> you know, i got to tell you, the book, and you're hiding behind it, all I can see sometimes is the top of your glasses. <laughs> of course, well, I, I'm, you know, I've got a dental problem and an eyesight problem. You, you heard about that. I've heard about yeah. Yes, 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 I have. Okay. So, I want to say hi to Jeff again, long-time listener, and also Bailey over in Tombstone, Arizona. No kidding. And has suggested that we do a story on on Cynthia Ann Parker, Quanta Parker's his wife. mother. Oh, his mother. mother. Yeah. Mother. She was the one that was kidnapped yes. and held. And so I, I've mentioned her briefly over the years uh, as being the mother, but I don't think I've ever actually well, done a complete story. I've got an idea for this. What's the lady's name? Uh, Cynthia and, oh, Bailey. Bailey, over in Tombstone. In Tombstone. Let's put a little onus on Bailey to send us some information about Tombstone. Let's do one on Tombstone. That'd be great. I, yeah. I've got her email. Oh, good. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. So, Zeb, I'm going to talk about the scouts of the Old West. Scouts. Like scouts. right ahead of the wagon train. And the military, everything else. Yeah. So, uh you know, the eventual settlement of the territory between the Missouri River and the Pacific owes a lot to this rough, tough uh, group of men, these colorful scouts. Uh, and most of them were former hunters and fur trappers who would kind of mastered the art of survival in this unmapped country. They knew the land. They knew its dangers. The scouts were invaluable guides for explorers and missionaries, uh, sur- surveying expeditions, and immigrant wagon trains. Uh, and if you think of going across the plains, who better to guide your wagon train than a fur trapper? What about the first wagon train that ever left St. Joe, Missouri? How did they know where to go? Well, the first ones was the Whitman and Spaldings. And we talked about that a couple of weeks yeah. ago. And I assume Assume that they must have gotten some information from some of the trappers before they, they had stop a, at a Seven Eleven. They or did something. not. Oh. No, uh, but they helped with the the, the Indians. Uh, they even helped uh, when they were building the railroad across the mountains and across the prairies. But the best scouts brought a kind of a genius to this dangerous trade. They knew the West waterways, the water holes, as well as the passages uh, through the mountains uh, that could destroy a wagon train. They knew, they knew how to get them through. Yeah. 
So the scouts knew the best campsites and how and where to hunt game to so that you didn't starve. Uh, many of them knew some of the Indian, Indian language, and they could act as interpreters and peacemakers. And increasing numbers were themselves Indians or part Indian, uh, of course, schooled since childhood in the ways of the wilderness. Let me ask you this. How did they find a good, reputable scout that knew what he was doing? I think the only way was reputation. I see. You know, uh, if if a wagon train got through safely, then whoever was guiding him was probably uh, his name filtered back somehow. Yeah. yeah. But those who earned their living as scouts were, uh, a lot of times they were loners, but they shared kind of an independent spirit and, and a kind of a thirst for adventure. And while the names and deeds of a lot of these have faded from memory, uh, a few of these pathfinders who opened the way west were kind of larger-than-life legends, uh, kind of an unforgettable past. Now, I'm going to talk about a few of those uh, uh, if we get done with uh, Are your listening. arms getting tired from holding that <laughs> yeah, book? Yeah, can you come over here and help me? <laughs> <laughs> that book's only about five feet wide. And it's not the biggest I've got. <laughs> but anyway, now the, bo- the most basic skill needed by a scout was reading sign. Uh-huh. So seeing and interpreting the often small and subtle traces left behind by passing animals and people. For example, lodgepole furrows stretched through uh, on either side of pony tracks suggested, obviously, Indians traveling with women and children, you know, on a travoy. Uh, so not a war party. A veteran scout could uh, deduce from a patch of flattened grass not only that a horse had gone by, but also how long ago, whether it carried a rider, and whether the rider was white or Indian. Can now, you imagine? wait a minute. Zeb, you got you got to explain this I don't know how they did it. I don't know. But they could. Well, you know, for example, too, a paw print could tell whether a bear was long gone or only 10 minutes away. This could be kind of a life and death matter. Uh-huh. The difference between walking into an Indian ba- ambush or avoiding it, between becoming a meal for a bear or having a bear for a meal. You know, we ought to do a program just on tracking alone. Yeah. Well, let me give you another example. Uh, if they saw a herd of wild horses, in a uh, straight line going somewhere, they were headed towards water. If the if the herd of wild horses were kind of scattered, they had come from water. Uh, the bird, I think it's called the mud dauber. If the mud dauber had mud in its beak, it was coming from water. If it didn't have any, it was headed to water. So again, something that they learned that Holy to cow. help them get to water. Yeah. But, you know, skilled and brave as some of them were, the scouts seldom lived up to their kind of popular image spread by the dime novels of the time. Real-life scouts were generally, uh, how should we put this, rough with long beards, long greasy hair, and they usually wore kind of a, a mixture of Indian uh, buckskins and kind of not good-fitting white men's clothes. Most were what they describe as prickly characters, and some were downright Henri. In other words, they weren't like old McCullough on wagon train. No, especially when they happened to imbibe. Oh, uh, you mean to tell me they weren't pure and they, they drank? May, they may have occasionally. Oh, my. Occasionally. But gentlemen or not, each took his place among the, the hardy souls that uh, rode out ahead. So... In 1841, a Western trapper named Thomas Brokenhand Fitzpatrick, and you've heard of him, I believe. Uh, was he the guy that got attacked by the bear? No. 
Oh. No. But he was friends with uh, Jim Bridger. Uh. He and Jim Bridger uh, trapped together. So anyway, uh, Fitzpatrick guided the first immigrant wagon train from its jumping-off point in Missouri to California. And for decades after that uh, trip, virtually every wagon train that set out on this great trek west had its own shepherd or guide to lead the greenhorns across the plains. And uh, over the great wall of the Rockies, through the wastelands of you know, you've been through Nevada and Utah, the deserts. Yeah. I mean, you take a wrong turn, and it's not going to turn out good. Did you ever think that when they got to their destination, this crossed my mind the other day with a book I'm reading, they got to the destination, whether it was the scout or whatever, and or the wagon masters, they had to turn around and, and go, back. go all the way back. Right. But... You know, it was probably a lot faster. Oh, yeah. Because they probably had maybe uh, somebody with them and probably just a pack horse. Yeah. You know, so they could probably put in quite a few miles heading yeah. back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But, you know, they went over the Sierras to the West Coast, and in the process, the scouts kind of transformed this uncharted land into one whose valleys and rivers and mountains were mapped and traversed because they, a lot of them actually made maps uh, to take back, and I don't know, maybe they sold them or uh, somehow gave to other guides. Were they funded at all by the government? Not that I know of. Not that I know of. But I I could be wrong on that. But, you know, leading uh, clumsy wagons uh, full of greenhorns uh, required more than just good sense of direction. Many of the men who spearheaded this great immigration were not only skilled at woodcraft, but also masters of medicine and statecraft. They served as paramedics for the sick and injured, uh, having long since learned about medical medicinal herbs and how to set broken bones. They had to be cheerleaders, <laughs> encouraging the faint of heart to keep going. And if a wagon train was racked by uh, a dissension, they often had to be both judge and jury. Hmm. And finally, they were the main source of entertainment, telling stories of their own adventures around the campfire, which yeah. may or may not have been true. How far ahead of a particular wagon train did they go? Like 10, 15 miles or whatever? The scouts? Yeah. I, I, I don't know that. I, I'm going to... That was not exactly safe for them either. No, it wasn't. And uh, But I'm thinking a lot of them had already knew ahead of time. So some of them, I think, may have even only gone a mile or two in front of the wagon train because they knew that, okay, right up here there should be a water hole or right up here is the pass through this little uh, They had uh, amazing memories. Oh, yeah. Some of them, they knew exactly, exactly where they were going. You know, after the Civil War, what had been a trickle of white settlers heading west became a flood, and we've talked about that. Uh, Well, inevitably, the onslaught provoked an eruption of hostility from the, the Native Americans. Yep. Who, you know, this was their land. This was their way of life. And all these people were in jeopardy. And we know time and time again how they helped the the immigrants. They took them in when they were starving or freezing. They brought them food. The, you know, the 
the TV and Hollywood image of the Indians being uh, these terrible, terrible people. Uh, it's not right. It's not right. No, it's not right. Uh, you know, and of course we came along and, you know, unfortunately took their land and, you know, killed the buffalo and the yeah. animals. But the Army, uh, they were untrained to fight this swift striking and kind of elusive enemy. Uh, an Indian, Zeb, could fire five arrows a minute. Really? They were that fast, yeah. It takes me five minutes to try to notch an arrow. <laughs> I've never been I've never been good with a bow and arrow, but anyway, uh so um anyway, uh they needed they turned to these civilian scouts, the army did, and the guides who once had carefully steered their people clear of danger were now asked to lead them along with their creaky gun carriages and their supply wagons into the heart of the danger. Mm. So the army also exploited long-standing intertribal feuds among the Indians, along with hiring individual warriors to act as scouts. The government sometimes engaged in several hundred at a time as auxiliary troops. Now, a lot of times you think of them having maybe one or two Indians, but sometimes there were actually hundreds of Indian scouts. And if you think about it, if... uh, if you're a member of a certain tribe and the army's after a tribe that's been your enemy for years and years and years, uh, you'd be happy to lead the army against that tribe that you're that you've been fighting. How trustworthy were they as far as being loyal to the army and or the wagon trains? You know, that's a good question, and I don't know, but I'm. And here again, I'm just going to assume that uh, uh, those that did a good job were hired again and again and again. Yeah, those that weren't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what happened to them. But anyway, whatever their origin, the scouts quickly became the indispensable eyes and ears of the Army. On the march, they chose the route. They selected safe campsites and fords, as well as tracking Indian bands and estimating their strength. They frequently acted as couriers, carrying vital dispatches across hundreds of miles of dangerous territory. Ultimately, they proved so effective that one of them was deemed worthy of a regiment of soldiers. Hmm. But the work was dangerous, and as our good friend General Custer once noted... (laughs) Oh boy, there's a reliable source. (laughs) Quote... Being a scout was congenial employment, most often leading to a terrible death. So he had a little premonition. Well, he had scouts. And, well, and again, if we look at that, you know, if they're carrying a message and they're seen, they probably never made it. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so now, Zeb, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about a few of these guys. All right. Jim Beckworth. Oh, I've heard of him. Yeah. He was yeah. a black uh, uh, scout. Okay. He, yeah, he was born in 1798 to a southern planter yeah. and one of his slaves. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, Beckworth lived much of his life among the Crow Indians, and he was such a ferocious fighter that his original tribal name, Morning Star, was changed to Bloody Arm. I heard that he was one big bad dude. I, uh, you know, just judging from a picture, you don't know, but uh, yeah. anyway. Anyway, and he, 
the pass he found through the Sierra Nevada near today's Reno became part of the major trail over what we'd call Donner Pass now. Well, he was the one. He, he was the one that led them through. Yeah. Uh, another guy, Stephen Hall Meek. This patriarch of the plains gained notoriety by once taking an Oregon-bound wagon train on what he claimed was a shortcut, shortcut and then getting lost. <laughs> Did they hire him again? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Meek learned his trade through many years as a trapper. He tried several times to quit scouting. What, what happened to the wagon train he was leaving? They eventually made it. I remember oh. reading of that story. Oh. They, they eventually made it. Uh, but uh, And he continued to do scouting uh, into his 80s. So evidently his reputation didn't sneak back to the other people that hired him. I see. Him. <laughs> Jim Baker. I've heard of him, too. Okay. Uh, the bottle brought out the devil in this unusually gentle man. Oh, my. On one binge, he tried to slice off his wife's ear. In 1841, Baker and 22 fellow trappers held off 500 Cheyenne, Arapaho, and Sioux at the Little Snake River. Uh, chief scout at Fort Laramie and guide to many a wagon train. He died in uh, a farmer in 1898, so he was about eight, His wife killed him and cut <laughs> off his ear. <laughs> well, you know, who knows why that happened. Holy cow. Okay, and here's another one you know, Jim Bridger. Yeah. Founder of Fort Bridger, uh, which is a vital trading post on the Oregon Trail. And th- you mentioned about good memories. This guy was like a walking atlas of the West. Uh, he was the first white man to encounter the Great Salt Lake. And uh, he wasn't the first to f- discover Yellowstone, but he was one of the first to explore Yellowstone. Really? But uh, a legendary storyteller. Tra- I mean, he could tell stories. and uh, He was one of the guys that uh, helped organize the rendezvous, wasn't he? Right. In fact, uh, I told you about uh, Broken Hand Fitzpatrick. Yeah. He and Fitzpatrick were attacked by Indians, and uh, Bridger had two arrows in his back. And Fitzpatrick was able to dig one of the arrowheads out. Because remember, once the... The, the sinew around the arrowhead gets wet. Yeah. If you pull the arrow shaft out, but it leaves the arrow leaves in. The, yeah. So uh, he got one of the arrowheads out, but the other one he couldn't get out. So about four years later, they were at a rendezvous, and Dr. Marcus Whitman came through, and uh, he asked him to dig out that arrowhead. No anesthetic. Oh, no. So he... Unless it came from the bottle. He leaned over a log. Whitman probably sat on a log and dug out that arrowhead that had been in there for four years. Am I sweating? <laughs> Woo, that would hurt. Well, it been in there four years? He was so successful that another trapper had an arrow in his back, and so he laid down and had Whitman take it out. That's like going to the dentist. <laughs> yeah. Okay, another guy, Two Moon. One year after fighting at the Little Bighorn, the Cheyenne chief, Tumun, helped negotiate a treaty with the government. Oh, no, wait a minute. He was an Indian that fought the cavalry, Custer, yeah. uh-huh. and then he started working for the cavalry? Uh-huh. Yeah. He were, uh, he neg- well, he negotiated a treaty, but later, yeah, as a valued scout for the army, uh, and he always said... He didn't understand, quote, he says, the white man eats and drinks all the time. The Indian drinks when he finds water and eats when he kills game. 
Hmm. Kind of an interesting comment. They they were a slim trim people. Yeah, they were. Now here's another guy. I'm not sure if you've heard of the rest of these. Mickey Free. No. No. Okay. No. Born in Arizona to a Mexican mother and a part Indian, part Irish father. Free was kidnapped and raised by Apaches. Later, he helped the army out with the Indians. He had grown to hate. They despised him in turn, as did his army comrades. One of whom described him as. Quote, half Mexican, half Irish, and a whole son of a gun. Uh huh. <laughs> Boy, all of a sudden, I got to really sweating there. I thought Dr. History has just plummeted in the well. Next guy, uh, Tom Tobin. I've heard of him. Okay. This masterful tracker once stalked a pair of murderers for five days. Then he showed up at Fort Garland, Colorado, with their he- heads in a sack. Tobin loved the life of a scout, and he always clung to his frontier buckskins. Uh, uh, long. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Back up to the heads in the sack. Yeah. Now, how far away was he from where he had to take the heads? I don't know. But I don't know about you, but there's something that's a little disturbing about carrying two heads in the heat. I don't know, Zeb. <laughs> But, you know, he was a colorful character. He, uh-huh. he uh, clung to the buckskin clothes. Now, this one I'm going to bet you have not heard of because I'm going to pronounce his Indian name. Pa Noya Tishan. Did you say politician? No. Oh. Coyote saw him. <laughs> that's what it That's what it. Uh, interprets Co- oh, coyote saw, saw him. Okay, but he was nicknamed Peaches <laughs> because of his light, rosy complexion. Okay, okay. You call him Peaches. I'm Peaches, not going uh, yeah. to. This CBQ Apache led General George Crook's command into the Sierra Madre uh, to get into the sanctuary of a band of Chiricahua Apaches, including Geronimo himself. Oh my so he goodness. led. On the hunt for Geronimo. Wow. But, and that leads the old saying that it takes an Apache to catch an Apache. Can you, you know, really, we ought, to, we ought to try to find somebody that really is into tracking and get them on the program. Yeah. That'd I mean, be fun. I mean, such a, uh, you know, an, yeah. an amazing. So uh, I know we've only got a few minutes, so I'm going to hit one of these that is very popular. Okay. Christopher Kit Carson. Oh, yeah. Chief Scout for the Explorer John C. Fremont. Carson and a lone companion once took on and defeated 30 outlaw Indians. Carson's exploits inspired dozens of dying novels, giving a book cover that showed him clobbering Indians with one hand and rescuing a damsel with the other. And he remarked, quote, That there may be true, but I ain't got no recollection of it. <laughs> <laughs> you did good. You did Thank good. Thank you. Another one, you've heard of this guy, the Apache Kid. Yeah. So he was on his way to prison in 1887 for killing an Indian who had had a hand in his father's death. The Apache Kid uh, was once a respected Army scout, but he vanished into the sagebrush, and uh, they really don't know whatever happened to him. His body was never found. Wow. Here's another one, Texas Jack Crawford. Uh, I've never, heard of Texas Jack Slaughter, but not no, Crawford. 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 Oh. He was chief scout for the 5th Cavalry. Crawford learned to read and write at 17 while recovering from a Civil War wound. Later, he actually wrote uh, books and plays and short stories. Uh, he once rode 300 miles to deliver a bottle of whiskey unsampled to Buffalo Bill Cody. 
Wow. Because he did not drink. And he had it in the bag with the two heads. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Me too. Uh, how about... Okay, I've only got a minute. A, One okay, minute. Okay, how about uh, Will Comstock? I've heard of him. Custer's favorite scout. Comstock had lived among the Cheyenne and other Indians who knew him as Medicine Bill yeah. and told how once he bit off an uh, Indian woman's poisoned finger to save her from a rattlesnake bite. He carefully hid his uh, real identity. His grand, uh, he was grandnephew to James Fenimore Cooper. That wrote yeah, uh, The Last of the Mohicans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Holy cow. Bit off her finger yeah, that this, was snake bit? Yeah, this Indian woman. Uh, Why didn't he use off a knife? Well, I wondered about that. I, I don't know, Zed. I mean, we're on the same page here. Yeah, uh, I thought about that. But he bit off this Indian woman's poisoned finger. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. you got to go back to the two bags and or two heads in a <laughs> two, bag or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Holy uh, smokes. Those were the uh, the guides, the scouts. The scouts, the guides for the... And, again, if you think about it, who better qualified yeah. than these men that have lived out there? Oh my. They knew the watering holes, how to get across certain rivers and streams yeah. and where the quicksand was, how to, how to uh, talk with the Indians. I mean... These guys, uh, you know, you wouldn't want a guy that's going to sit there and let you go ahead out of politeness and everything, and you get out in the middle of quicksand, and he goes, "Oops, Whoops. I yeah. forgot to tell you." And some wagon trains did go across with no guides, and some of them met with not good endings. Really? Well, that was interesting. I'm out of time. I got to run. Yep. Doctor history, you did it again. Uh, get a hold of that lady in Tombstone, because I would love to find out more of the truth about Tombstone, Tombstone. Arizona. Yeah, I will do it. Absolutely. Great show. Thank you. Great show. Now, go guide somebody someplace. <laughs> okay. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.